Hi, Pastor Greg here. I'm the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Jordan, Montana. I'm very excited to introduce a brand new series, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Thank you so very much for being a part of this podcast and listening to this. I hope that you enjoy this series. So without further introduction, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. All right. So we are in part 14 of Jesus the Christ the Messiah, and we are in another side note. Now, if you're like, what's a side note? Side note is those little things that happen in the middle of a series um, that I made up. I'm probably not the only one, but it's a little like a segue of, of a note. And within this, it's still having to do with Jesus, still having to do with the fact that he is the Messiah. But it's a little bit more of a... Well, like a different different line. So the title of the of this um, is infinite. Currently, I have uh, four parts to this side note, which we are not going to do all of them today. Okay, so relax. All right. Um, and but it's infinite. And so we're going to be in Colossians 3.2 and in Job 38. So we're going to open today in Colossians 3.2. And this one and this verse is going to basically be the drive throughout this side note portion. And I'm going to, in order to give it some context, I'm going to start in verse 1. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Let us pray. Lord God, we just come before you right now. We want to thank you for everything you do and how you lead and guide our lives. And I pray, Lord God, that we may just have a wonderful time going through your word and worshiping you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Infinite means ongoing. It means limitless, without bounds. That's what infinite means. And we look at the greatness of God. We look at the the goodness of God. And we're going to be talking about that. And you cannot get better than the goodness of God. That's not something that we can grasp. Because there's always a job. You go to a carpenter and he has just built something just amazing. And you look at it and said, boy, that's the most amazing piece of work. What is he going to say? It's like, yeah, but I got this one corner wrong. Yeah, I would like to improve this a little bit more. You know, I think I might take that back to the shop and I might actually work on it a little bit more. That's what the carpenter is going to say. But that's not what God says. It's not what God says. Because when God makes something good, he makes it perfect. When God does something, it is perfect. There is no improvement to be made upon what God does. So when he formed you in the womb, you perfect. You were born into the knowledge of good and evil, that which, by the way, was our decision. And that brought about sin. But when you were formed, the Bible says that we are formed 
in the womb. Also, not to mention, he also says that you are exactly where you need to be. Did you know that? He says that this time and this place, at this instant, that's where you need to be. Why? Because he is perfect. Oh, I should have been born. Pick a date. No, because if you needed to be born, you would have been. The goodness of God, understanding the aspect of God that says it is good, there is no perfection. That when sin entered into the world, the only way for it to go would to be bad because it was the top 100% of good, period. You don't get above that. So when sin entered the world, the only place for it to go is bad. So what did God do? He's not making you perfect. What he is, is he's just reforming that which you lost. He is just giving back to you that which you lost, that sin took and stole away from you. He's building that which you already, you were created good. What happened? Well, turns out, there's something that God did, and we're like, boy, he really shouldn't have done that. No, he wanted to do that, and it was good. He gave us the choice to serve him or not. He gave us the ability to choose whether or not I want to serve God or not serve God. He gave us the choice. Do I accept that which is perfect, that which God has wrought in my life, or do I say, yeah, I can do better. Here's the scary part. There's a lot of us that look at our lives and say, yeah, I can do better. There's a lot of people that make the decision and say, yeah, I cannot tell you how many movies I have watched that are that go in and poke fun at God because they're saying, well, you know, obviously there's a problem with that kind of creation. No, there is no problem with your body. There is no problem with that. What, what is our biggest problem going around right now is identity and feeling the need and everything else like that. You were created perfect in the womb. You were created exactly the way you need to be. There is no improvements that need to be made to that. But sin gets in and sin starts saying one thing versus another thing and starts saying another thing and you start battling these kind of things in your in your mind and, and then all of a sudden you have identity issues and you have things that are coming up. And I'm not going to get into the things of what's going on in today's day and age and how things are going. I'm not going to say yes or no to that. All I do know is that you cannot improve perfect. You cannot improve perfect. You are exactly who you are. And you are and were created perfect in the womb. What happened? Sin. Sin has lied to us all the time. It has, it has sown seeds of depression. It has sown seeds of anxiety. It has sown seeds of, I don't know who I am. And God has all those answers. Why? Because God is good. And God created good. And you were created good. 
What does sin do? Lies. It says you can have everything right now. You can do this and still have everything you want. You can have your pie and eat it too. It doesn't work that way. Evil seeks to be better than, which is pure pride, because you cannot. When Adam and Eve were created, they were created good. You cannot get better than that. God created a perfect being. First, though, there are a few things that we need to discuss about God for you to grasp the goodness of God. Back in 1961, there was a person that wrote a, wrote a book, The Knowledge of the Holy. The copyright of that book is 1961. Uh, um, Aidan Wilson Tozer, born April 21st, 1897, and died May 12th, 1963, was an American Christian pastor, author, magazine editor, and spiritual mentor. For his accomplishments, he received honorary doctorates from Wheaton and and um, and I'm probably going to announce this, um, Houghton Colleges. And in his book, and I'm pre paraphrasing a little bit, but he shares the fact that the church has put the holy God into a describable box that never could overwhelm, never transcend, and never astonish us. Why? Because God is something that we have, we have made and put into a box of our understanding. Okay? And he warned us, and he said that the term infinite was being dumbed down. That the God of heaven and earth is more powerful than anything. If you can describe God, then you have limited God. He is by sheer definition indescribable. He is limitless. So Tozer warned that we have carelessly used that word infinite, for God is infinite. The book was written in 1961. 133 years prior, the 1828 Webster's Dictionary defined infinite as this. Without limits, unbounded, boundless, not, not circumscribed, circumscribed, Applied to time, space, and qualities, God is infinite in duration, having neither beginning nor end of existence. This is in the dictionary, by the way. This is not a Bible verse. God is infinite in duration, having neither beginning nor end of existence. He is also infinite in presence or omnipresent, and his perfections are infinite. We also speak of infinite space. That was in 1828. 1961, Tozer warns us and says that we are dumbing down the term infinite and we're making it into something that is attainable. Something that can be grasped. Infinity and beyond. Anybody like that Toy Story? I love that Toy Story movie. Eh, some of you know. Those, those of you who do know what I'm talking about know exactly what I'm talking about. But here's the problem with that statement, infinity and beyond. You don't get the feeling that infinity is beyond the grasp. What you get is infinity. I'm going to it. I can grasp infinity. But see, infinity cannot be grasped. You want to know why? 
because we cannot understand it. Try grasping the infinite. No beginning. No end. No, no little timeline there. It is not ever put in a box. Here's today's definition if you were to go into Webster's Dictionary today. I want you to note what is missing from this definition. This is today's definition of the infinite. Extending indefinitely, endless, infinite space, immeasurably or inconceivably great or extensive, inox inexhaustible, infinite patience, subject to no limitation or external determination, extending beyond, lying beyond, or being greater than any preassigned finite value, however large. Infinite number of positive numbers, extending to infinity. Are you noticing what's missing from this definition? Anybody? What's missing from that definition? God. Exactly. There is no God mentioned in that definition of infinite at all. I think Tozer was right in his warning, don't you think? I think he was right to warn us that we need to put a higher esteem upon God, upon infinite, and what it means that God is infinite. Set your mind on things above. The most important thing that you can do in your relationship with God is to have a proper understanding and grasp of God. Understand that infinite can never be described by finite. Listen to that. Infinite can never be described by finite. I can talk about what God does. I can talk about the things that God has done and, and, and stuff, but I can never describe to you who God is. Why? Because I'm finite and he is infinite. The only one that can describe infinite would be God. Because he is infinite. So there's a little book called Job. Very small book. People read it for the fun of it. Said nobody ever. And here's the interesting thing is this whole entire thing became because God and 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 Satan had a, a, a little thing going on, a little wager going on. And God pointed at Job and said, look at, my, look at my guy over there. I'm paraphrasing. Look at my guy over there. And Satan was like, I'll bet you he'll curse you if, if, if I do such and such and such to him. And, and God was like, okay, but just don't take his, his life. So Job's life gets upturned. 
He has three people coming over to him telling him how bad he was. He's dealing with all this whole entire thing. I'm paraphrasing because this is a lot of book. If, if, if you know, you would really, uh, well, let's just say that you probably wouldn't be sitting down for very much if I said that we we're going to go through the entire book of Job today. So, and I'm not. Just putting that out there. But there is a very interesting portion that happens. And that Job is talking, and it's at the end of the book, and he's talking about, you know, what he has done or what he knows and whatever and whatever. And God had a little bit of an issue. And in chapter 38 of Job, it says this. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens my counsel or who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Now, just as a personal note, um, you never want to go into this exam room. Okay, this is the exam room that you really don't want to be a part of. You never want to have God show up at your doorstep and say, really? Let's see how, how well you do on this test. Okay. You really don't want to be a part of this. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Do you know? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick dark darkness its swaddling hand, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, this bar you may come, but no farther. And here, your proud waves must stop. Have you ever been to the ocean? Ever been to the water's edge? Have you ever wondered why the water only comes to a certain place? Have you ever wondered that? What keeps the water from just going right over? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands on like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place? That you may take it to its territory, that you may know the paths to its home. Do you know it? because you were born then, or because the number of your days is great? 
Have you entered the treasury of snow? Did you know there was a treasury of snow? I didn't know there was a treasury of snow. Have you entered the treasury of snow? Or have you seen the treasury of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? By what way is light diffused? By the way, explain that to me. By what way? Now, please understand that we have tested and we have tried. We know the effects of what light does, and we know the effects of how light is diffused. But there's not a person on earth that can actually describe exactly what is going on and what's causing that to actually happen. We can test it, we can see it, we can, we, can even, we can even quantify it. But quantifying something that we see and something that already is doesn't mean we know what created it, and it doesn't mean that we grasp why it's there. It just means that we can actually see it, and we can test it, and we can know it. Just saying. Or the east wind scattered over the earth, who has divided a channel for the overflowing water or a path for the thunderbolt? Ooh, there you are. To cause it to rain on a land where there is no where there is no one, a wilderness in which there is no man. Yeah. Have you ever? Why, why would why would there be rain? Why would there be things? Why would why would there be a whole stretch of forest that no one is there? But yet God cares for it to satisfy the desolate waste and cause to spring forth the growth of tender grass? Has the rain a father, or who has begotten the drops of dew, from whose womb comes the ice and the frost of heaven? Who gives it birth? The waters harden like stone, and the surface of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the cluster of the, of the Pleiades, which is a star system, by the way, or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Maserat in its season, or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that an abundance of water may cover you? Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the mind, or who has given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds by wisdom, or who can pour out the bottles of heaven? When the dust hardens in clumps and the clods cling together, can you hunt the prey for, for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lurk in their lairs to lie in wait? Who provides food for the raven when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? That's Infinity describing infinity. Finite can never grasp that. We have a beginning and we have an end. Here's the thing. And we're going to get into more detail in this series. But I wanted you to understand about the goodness of God and I also wanted you to grasp the infinite part of God.
to understand that if you can describe God, you have already limited God. If you could grasp what God does, you've already put a boundary around what he can do. So by saying, well, God needs to do it this way. That's not how God works. God has it look this way or it appears this way or in any way, shape, or form comes into a perception that you can grasp, but you've already limited God. And by that sheer definition, you are not defining God. You're defining your understanding of what you think God is like. That's why the statement of the most important thing that you can be when you think of is to what you think about when you think about God. Is God somebody that you can quantify or is God someone that you can take anything to and believe in the impossible? For according to the scripture verses, it says that all things are possible. Right? Romans chapter 8, I will actually, so I do not get it wrong. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. All things are possible. All things... Don't look at God and say, that'll never happen. Don't look at God and say, I will never be clean. Don't look at God and say, I will never have a new life. Don't look at God and say, I will never be able to give up thinking or feeling this way about myself. I will never be able to, to forget the stuff that has happened in my life. I will never be able to forget. I will never be able to deal with what has gone on in my past. I will never be able to do that. And God looks at that and says, really? Have you put me in a box? Have you limited me? Can you form the stars? Do you look at the water and tell the water, this is where you stop no further? And fast forward a little bit, and Jesus is in a boat. And the disciples are rowing across the boat, and everything is getting really bad, and it's getting really there. And guess what Jesus is doing? Sleeping. Infinite, describing infinite. Why? He wasn't worried about the water. Because even if the waves were to tip him over, which they wouldn't because they don't dare, all he has to do is just speak to him. Who is the master of your life?
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He is truly the maker of heaven and earth. And he formed you, and guess what? He formed you perfect. Were you born into sin? Yes, you were. You're born with a choice, and you deal with that choice every single day. And you know what? If you're going to deal with that choice, I would highly suggest that you deal with it in a relationship with God. Because God is the only one that's going to be able to direct and guide you in realizing and making the right proper choices. Why does he care so much? Because he gave you the ability to choose. And all you have to do is be willing to choose him, and he will walk you through. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that you work on our hearts and minds. I thank you, Lord God, that we are here today. I thank you, Lord God, that we were born when we were born. I thank you, Lord God, that we are able to worship you. I thank you, Lord God, for what you have done through Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that we may pursue you, that we may never put you down into an area that we can grasp, but that we may glorify you in the area that you belong. I thank you, Lord God, for everything you do and who you are. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and taking the time. I hope that you enjoyed this series. If you would like to follow this podcast as well as other podcasts, you may go to agjordanmt.com. I hope you have a wonderful day.